Hello and welcome to Underqualified Thoughts. This is a podcast where me and my brother-in-law have conversations that stem from our daily lives. Expect authentic relationship-building discussions that time capsule our early years of our families, careers, and our pastimes. This is episode four, if I get that right, four of season two. And um, let's go ahead and jump into this. Andy, how are you doing today? I am I'm thrown off. At the end of the last episode, you told me that with super excited tone that you can't wait to flip the script and ask me a ton of questions, and I have no clue what what you're going to do. Flip the script. That's that's an educator term as well. That's that's crazy. Uh, did um, I, sorry, did I trigger you? Yeah, that that got to me there. Yeah, so I don't know if we're going to get to it in this episode, but we'll do our best. But first off, I'd like to just kind of touch base. It's been a couple of weeks since we've we've talked to you about your your job and how everything's going with Lily. Um, in our, I think it was like season one, end of the season, or maybe it was beginning of season two, first episode, we talked briefly about how the transition into corporate life again has been a little bit more challenging, maybe than expected. Um, talk to us a little bit more about that today and how that's been for you. Not gonna lie, that's pretty anticlimactic. I guess I could have seen that one coming, but that's okay. Um, there's definitely a lot to talk about. Uh, I'm with you. I don't think we've talked about Lily since the first season, and if I remember correctly, that the first episode of season two was talking about my job, the first day on the job. So a lot has changed since then, and. I suppose the biggest thing that's changed is that the job itself hasn't gotten any better, but my perspective around it has, thanks to a lot of prayer and conversations with people who have been in similar situations to me, or a few conversations with people who are currently at Wells um, and have recounted their similar journey of starting there, has helped me to basically become more patient and understand that you know, I'm not going to be able to provide value immediately and that I just need to, I don't know how to phrase it. I guess like, obviously I just need to not put my worth in the fact that like whether I can or cannot provide value to the team uh, and just patiently go through the process of learning, listening, which is very difficult. It's very difficult to sit in meetings for me, at least where there's a lot of words and terms that you don't understand. And actively be engaged and pay attention and soak in information that way. Do you relate to that? Or are you yeah. like? Well, I mean, do, you said, do I relate to that um, within my current work or? I mean, like <laughs> how you how you learn. I was kind of talking about like right now. Thankfully, I've had a few one on ones recently where I've talked to my direct report and then the manager above them. And they've given me some practical tips on, or not practical tips. They've given me like software and trainings that Wells Fargo has that I can go through to tactile Lee. I don't know if I'm using that word right, but to like actually learn it by interacting with the material versus sitting in a meeting and just listening to it. And so my question there for you was, how do you, I guess, do you relate to that? Like, do you struggle to just sit and listen and take in information? rather than being able to interact with it. Yeah, I mean, I I don't like meetings. 
Um, I think that if meetings are longer than, than 30 minutes, uh, it's, it's almost pointless. A large percentage of the meetings that I'm in currently in education are something that could have been sent in a email. <laughs> Classic. That meeting um, could have been an email. Yeah. Or it's something that really just applies to the Kool-Aid drinkers of the room. Um, meaning the people that just hands and feet, they're sold out educators that they're, they're doing everything and anything they're putting in 80 hours a week. I had a coworker earlier this week joke to me. Um, I told our administration on the way out, I said, I got my 40 hours, I'm out. Um, and then one of my coworkers, that's just a, a regular school teacher said, I do 60 hours minimum. And it was kind of like a, a bragging, like, look at me. And I was like, good for you. Like, I don't really know how to take that. But when it comes to those meetings, a lot of that is you're either the 60 plus hour a week um, person, you love everything you're doing, or you just hate it, or you don't have a life outside of school. Or you're you fall into my camp, which is this could have been an email. Most of the time it is. Um, and I do read my emails. <laughs> like, <laughs> that. that's always the argument. So yeah, in terms of the tactile sensation of like actually working with a program, I I don't know if there's really anyone. May, maybe people that are just book bookworms, that love reading and listening, but most people, as far as I've seen within my like, I mean, I teach programs, so like, within my class, it's like, most kids just need to get into it, work on it, figure it out. Um, and then down the road, as they have questions, research if they want to learn, listen to me, share. Um, for me, it's, yeah, just I need to start the program and figure it out. Yeah. I think you're right that there's the majority of people, when they're able to get their hands on something or learn it in community, uh, it sticks more. But obviously there are people out there who who do really well just reading and teaching themselves, which... To be fair, I've done in the past in college. Like in college, I would, I don't really do, I didn't really do a great job listening to professors um, and getting much on the lecture. I would have to go back to the notes, read them over, teach myself that way. But I do, but I guess a clarification I need to make now is I like meetings. I, I do not want this, like, I don't just want a <laughs> bunch of emails to read through. Like I want, I took this job. And I'm interested in product management, as we've talked about, the high level, high level of collaboration. Like I want to be sitting in a meeting with people, like having like the small chit chat beforehand where I get to know someone, like learn about their past and, you know, build a relationship there as well as just be able to bounce ideas off each other. Which the problem right now with meetings is that obviously there's a lot of acronyms. There's a lot of goals that the company is working towards that I'm not aware of or have just become aware of and basically the analogy of like you can't see the forest through the trees if i'm going to repurpose that analogy all i know right now is like i know one or two trees and so when someone's talking about like something at the forest level i'm like i don't understand what you're talking about i only know how to climb this one tree um and so a lot of those that goes over my head and then what's even more difficult for them, for me then, is having the discipline. We're not in person, or I'm not in person, as I've talked about, you know, most of my team is in St. Louis or Minneapolis. And so then I have whatever, the internet at my reach, 
And if I'm bored in this meeting and I don't understand anything, I have to have a self-discipline to not like go scrolling through my email or reading articles online or just doing something to keep my mind active. And that's something that I'm really, really having a hard time with right now is paying attention in meetings where I'm not in person, my camera isn't on, and I don't know what's being talked about. Yeah, I I guess I, I kind of forgot that you're not... When you said meetings, I was envisioning like people around a table and like working on stuff. That's and, what I want. And it, it hit me. I was like, I was like, wait a minute, he's, he's remote or I mean, he's, he's virtual. He's in the office and everyone else is, is scattered. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if we're in the spirit of clarification, you know, if there's any future employers that are listening to this, you know, it's, it's not a dodge against the community and the collaboration and the, and that, that meeting situation. It's not that it's, it's when you pull together 50 to 60 people in one room and say, hey, we're going to talk down at you about this one topic and we hope that you align with it. Um, this this uh, at meeting is, is less of a meeting and more of a sermon about something that I don't care about. Um, this department meetings are similar because within the education sector, there's admin in the room talking down to us rarely is it something that they even really care about what our thoughts are on the matter that's my been been my experience they're kind of just so passing on the you, information that you need to yeah. follow along with yeah or do um we have a, a whole whole school meeting um with the staff this monday it's a teacher work day and it's slotted for like the whole day and we're just going to be in a, in the media center library and we're just going to be talked down to about what's what's coming down the pipeline, so to say. Um, a new thing, a new agenda. So it's basically and like, so, it's not like a meeting, it's more like a town hall where everyone gets together and you yeah. just... Yeah. Do you at least get to ask questions at the end or is it just, you're basically just taking... Yeah, it yeah, first? like you, you, can, you can ask questions, but it's, it's a, your questions are just meant to be answered. They aren't to be adding value or, or if you're questioning why or how we're doing it, they already know why they already know how they're just wanting you to know what it is so that you can take it and go and do it. Um, good news. I'll provide an example of a good meeting. Um, the, the school is looking to change the schedule for next year. I will, I don't know, mention that they've done this before and it's never really worked out. But they always invite people to come and sit with them and meet to discuss what is best for the school. And they are actually open-minded. So that's a good example of like a meeting that's purposeful that you can bring value to um, to share your thoughts. Um, I've never... It's really, really unfortunate. And I don't mean to turn this conversation to me. But the the majority of the time, they don't take the insights that the, the staff brings. And so I guess that's the good question for you within the corporate world do you see that you can actually make arguably systemic change within the organization? Yeah, I don't know at this point like what massive levels of change that I can make. The the thing I so to tie into what you said, what's draining about your meetings is what's draining about mine right now. Yours is because 
what you talked about, you know, they're just giving you information. They're telling you to now go do it, not, hey, let's have a conversation about what we're going to do. So that's draining because you it, it is draining just to be sitting down, not being mentally engaged, just kind of listening to information that you're either not really interested or you don't really understand. And on my side of that is there's a lot of information coming in. I'm sitting down in the chair. I'm not an active participant in the conversation. I'm just like kind of trying to understand what's going on, just taking the information and it is draining because it's not enjoyable. It's not engaging. It's not, and that's nothing to the people who are presenting or having the meeting. They're all active participants. They're all going through getting their stuff done, you know, offering feedback back and forth, but I'm not an active participant at the moment. I do believe that there's very much so a chance as I learn more, uh, I'll be able to be an active participant. I know that I'll have the ability to make change in uh, how our team interacts with others, like the the collaboration that we do. Like that's pretty clear. Like obviously, I can come up with habits, come up with practices that I then pass on to the next person who comes after me. As far as I don't know how much red tape there is at this point, you know. I don't know how much I'm going to be limited. If I have a creative idea and I want to run with it, how much I'm going to be halted by whatever, you know, the practices that are before me, the, the regulations, you know, the limits of regulation for the industry and finance or the limits for the software and the technology that we have. So I don't have a full answer to that question yet, but I definitely believe I'll be able to have more of an impact than what I'm doing right now. It's difficult in this season to imagine being able to have an impact, but that's another one of those perspective things of like, once things start to click in my role, I'll be able to speak up. I'll be able to be a contributor. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, it'd be interesting now to kind of, you know, in the last episode, we talked a little bit about some other cool ideas and things that we'd, I'd love to talk with you about. Um, but before we can get there, I'd like to kind of revisit and if they call call it, transition back to your job, your family, how the two have been coexisting together well, um, and how there's been growth along the way. Um, the last time, again, we talked about Lily was quite a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so how's it, how has it been on the, on the home front? Yeah. Uh, one last thought about the job, which I think would easily transition to this, was talking about like you know being able to have things click. I had a meeting with my manager and it was both encouraging and frustrating at the same time. She told me on average, it takes people six to nine months for things to start clicking in the role that I'm in. And when I heard that, it was a bit of like frustration. I was like, oh my goodness, that's, you know, so far away. I've been here for a month and the best case scenario, I have to do this six times over. And that was frustrating. But the positive side of it was was I was understanding like, oh, there's grace. They don't expect me to hit the ground running and have all these things understood and like apply myself to the upteenth degree to figure out everything in like a day, which has been helpful at home because it's made it that, you know, if I was moving a million miles an hour at my job, I would be there for longer. I'd be doing more and it'd be taking more of my mental capacity. Um, right now I have the flexibility, like one of the things we needed to figure out, this was a a fun wrinkle and we'll answer your question. 
So Caitlin's going back to work in two days. She's had 14 weeks of maternity leave, which has been like a massive blessing. Like the fact that her company gave her that much time off is amazing. But now that she's going back and I've already been back to work, we started looking for like what our options are. We don't have a daycare um, because Caitlin wasn't interested in that. So we started looking for a nanny and boy, did my head spin trying to figure out how much to pay a nanny, how much of our budget that takes up. That was a whole, we don't have enough time. We don't have enough podcasts in the world to talk about all the anxiety and confusion and everything that went through that. But so we get it settled. We find a nanny, which was amazing blessing. Like Caitlin was posting on Facebook groups and reaching out. And then someone, um, from a local church here in Charlotte reached out and wanted to be her nanny. And so we met her. She was great. It was an awesome way that God provided for us. But then quickly I was doing our taxes this year and I learned, thankfully I came across something that's called a dependent care credit. And I was like, what the heck is that? Basically you can get a tax credit based off the amount of money that you pay for childcare, whether it be a nanny, whether it be daycare, whether it be whatever. And then all of a sudden my brain just went, oh my goodness, if you can get a credit for this, you have to confirm how you're paying this person, I bet. <laughs> and so I start doing all this research and then all of a sudden I find out that you know just paying your nanny over Venmo is paying them under the table. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> my goodness. And so that was that then set my head spinning because I was like, you know, how much is it going to cost to like run payroll? Like whether it's a cost of time or a cost of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that basically all that long backstory to say is that Caitlin did a lot of the research herself, which I really appreciate. And that made my job a lot easier. But because my job is not like incredibly stressful and I'm not needed for like 40 50 60 hours a week i'm able to spend you know pockets of time between meetings and between like when i'm teaching myself stuff to do things to get things done like do our taxes figure out what it means to actually pay a nanny and not pay her under the table um you know figure out like what we're gonna cook for the week and like so i can go and run and get groceries on the way home from work like things like that um it's a very long-winded answer. I'm a very long-winded person. But that's just one area where I'm thankful that I have a new job that is has a long buildup. And I'm not in, you know, if I was in my old role, I'd probably have as much, I'd probably have a similar amount of time. Um, but I'd have more work to do. Like I'd be going and have less time to try and figure this stuff out. So. It definitely is a, a benefit and a blessing that I have a role that's not incredibly demanding of me right now because I don't have a, a good enough grasp on it yet to be demanding. That's very interesting. Um, you know, we're talking a lot about time um, and you, you put in your hours and then you come home. What this is a, just a fun question for people to kind of resonate with if whoever's listening, if they don't have kids or if they do have kids to compare um, what, how much discretionary time do you think you have every week? I don't know. Uh, I have a, 
I mean, I can make a guess, but basically right now I've been using more discretionary time than I should have. You know, as we mentioned, Lily has been an incredibly fussy baby and joy of all joys. There were three days in a row. It was Sunday night through Tuesday night. We thought everything was fixed. We thought the whole three month, like at three months they change and get easier was a real thing. It was awesome. Like it felt like we were normal humans again. Uh, and then she immediately Tuesday night went back down into her nose dive mm. of going back to being fussy and difficult to manage. And so as far as how much discretionary time that I have, uh, so to be fair right now, I've been going rock climbing two to three times a week and we've been filming this podcast recording filming. Ah, you got me recording this podcast. Um, but outside of that, like we have the occasional one-off things where we'll have dinner with friends or go to an event or something. But our discretionary time is so much less than it used to be. Like there's so many evenings now where I'm coming home and it's like, I have to cook today for the net for two hours or like, we're not having like, or we're going out to eat and we're not, you know, we're not going to have food for us or, you know, like somebody has to clean the kitchen. Someone has to do the laundry. So like, my nights do feel full, but I also know that I'm not at the using my discretionary time at the highest level. Like Caitlin and I have been having conversations, you know, at the two month mark is when I started getting back into rock climbing and started like having the itch to have more discretionary time. And I've done that for about a month and it's basically Caitlin has been telling me that she's running on empty because she like doesn't feel like she has any discretionary time because Lily is so fussy and so needy. So definitely a change that we have to make is I need to limit the amount of discretionary time I, I have to help support Caitlin more, help take care of Lily more, especially now that she's going back to work and she's going to be working for, you know, full 40 plus hour a week. I gotta, I gotta pull my load more, not just in the chores of our household, but in the actual, like, who is the person sitting with Lily, taking care of Lily, making sure that she's not screaming her head off and not falling off something. Yeah. There's like a, like a curve of life. I feel like where it's like zero to you get married is you just have the time in the world. Like everything you have so much, so much time. Um, uh, and then the, you get married and the sweet spot is which. Did you graduated and then immediately got married, right? Yeah. So you missed this stage of life. The sweet spot is when you graduate high or college or even just graduate high school and have no more homework. And then you get to like, all, like, obviously it was a tough transition for me and I would assume for you as well to like start working like eight to nine hours a day, like nonstop. Yeah. Like, that's a difficult transition, yes. But I can't tell you how freeing it is, like, at 5 p.m. to go home and just have this urge. Like, you, there, like you should be doing something and realizing, no, I don't have homework anymore. Hmm. Like, I'm at home. I'm off the yeah. clock. Like, this is amazing. I think, yeah the, yeah, the closest I came to that was when I was, like, here before we got married, engaged, um, 
like that summer where I didn't have a job was mm-hmm. like, but even then I was so busy with doing stuff that it, you know, it was fun almost discretionary fun, but it was like helping the house be a better house. Um, Do you like how you asked me, you being the, um, being the time oriented scheduled man that you are you said how many hours of discretionary time that you have and i proceeded to ramble for five minutes to tell you i don't know but it feels like it's too much because caitlin is having too much of a struggle taking care of lily by herself also if you want to make note of it at the twenty four thirty mark um i actually just hit my microphone with my hand so if you want to if you want to scrub that out in the edit, Caleb, we'll, I'd appreciate that. We'll see about that. scrubbing it out. We'll see about it. Yeah, yeah. the reason I ask is because there's obviously, like I was saying, a bell curve of like, you go through life and then you're like, busiest time and no discretionary time is like, right now for you at least. Um, I mean, I'm just assuming that when the child is like, five. Lily. Ten. Lily. Yeah, Lily. When she's, <laughs> when she's like in the middle of her like elementary years, like, you'll probably have a little bit more because the child, Lily, can, um, like, self-regulate much better. Um, but what happens if we have a baby when she's at that age? Well, that's, that's true. Yeah, you'll just, you'll just keep living in a, in a state of, well, still, even then, at that point, you would have done this already once. And so you kind of, kind of know, I don't know if you could get a much more fussy baby than Lily? I'm not really sure if you could you? Uh, like in theory, yes. Like we know that. So we know a couple who had a baby and their baby just like, like they weren't, they weren't like, what's the word? They weren't being hyperbolic when they said their kid screamed all the time. Like 24 hours in a day, their kid was probably screaming 18 plus of them. And this just went on wow. for like the first year of their child's life. You know, they, they're good parents. They tried, you know, everything under the sun. And it just was the the textbook case of colicky baby. Don't know why. It's just happening. Wow. And that's crazy. So like, yes, in theory, as far as, you know, where we are in the average, based off what we're reading and what we understand, we have an above average fussy baby. But yeah, like people tell us, they're like, oh, at least you had your hard one the first time. And it's like, yeah, we hope this <laughs> is our hard one the first time and yeah that'd be rough if there's worse than that yeah 18 out of 24 there's definitely a uh you know a valid point to what you were saying that like we will have done it once something that i think that is going what something that was helpful for those three days that she was calm is that it gave us hope and it gave us a break and it gave us a chance that like to know like people keep saying you know the phrase this too will pass like this season is going to pass and that's true. Like, I keep telling myself that. I keep telling Caitlin that. But when you haven't seen it pass yet, there's something it's like missing. You're just like, you're like, you know, there's still that little bit of doubt where it's like, I don't know. I haven't seen it pass yet. And so I think as difficult as it will be to have more kids um, and have, you know, not just, you know, whatever. Five years down the road, let's say we're, you know, we're going along as we hope to have more kids. We're on our third kid. You know, Lily's four years old. Then we'd have like whatever, a two-year-old and then a baby. Like that's so much more. Even if the baby is easier. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Even if the baby is, the, the, the future child is easier than Lily is right now. 
it's still so much harder because there's three there's three kids to manage. You know, I said that to Michael yeah. on Thanksgiving. Michael's our, uh, I guess he's our, I don't even know how he's related to us. He's Caitlin's cousin's husband. I was about to say cousin-in-law, but he's cousin-in-law to Caitlin. So I have no clue how he's actually related to us, but he's in the family. And they had their third child one month before we had Lily. And so everyone, you know, is obviously ooing and eyeing over all the babies and as, as obviously it, because they're a blessing and they're awesome, but we just have the one baby and that's all, all our focus on is on this one baby. And then I look over at Michael, Hannah's holding their baby while everyone's ooing and eyeing over it. And Michael's like keeping their five-year-old and their two-year-old entertained and busy and making sure that they're not, you know, destroying themselves or something in the place that we're at. And I just looked at him and I was like, do you remember when you just had one and there was only one to take care of? And he just like looked at me so blankly and was like, no, no, I do not. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, I can only imagine when, you know, when, if one and next, our next child is born, if, and when our next child is born, we'll be in the hospital and it won't be, this is our entire family unit. It'll be, okay, we have our new baby here, but Lily's somewhere else in the world. Like, you know, it's definitely going to get. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you want a whole quiver full of arrows. In quiver the, full, sense, baby. You know, like the, yeah. Um, that's, that's certainly... Uh, I, I definitely forgot about the uh, the nature of having kids and how having more means more work in a way. It's more fun for sure, but it's, it's also... Um, there's things coming along with it. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing as if you think about it along a career journey as well. When you start out your career, when I'm starting my new job at Wells, I feel overwhelmed and like, how can I take on any more responsibilities? I don't even know how to do the basics of what I need to do right now is, you know, put that on steroids. That's what it feels like to have Lily. And I can't yeah. even fathom right now, just like at my job, I can't fathom leading a meeting. Eventually I will. Because I will get experience. Like if I stay in that role and if I apply myself and I keep learning, I will be leading meetings at some point. And I'll be I'll feel some level of autonomy, like know what to do. I know what to do in my day. I suppose the same will happen with kids. Like I can't fathom having four kids in their between the ages of ten and eighteen. But like maybe one day, Lord willing, like we'll learn to do it well, we gain our experience, you know, 10 years, 20 years into parenthood, it doesn't feel as chaotic as it does right now, but literally you have more work to do. It just might feel more manageable. Yeah. And the saying is true that God, God gives us grace for the day that we're, we're given. Um, and obviously those, those things, you know, I can't fathom being a parent right now. Hopefully we'll be in, you know, two months. You are a parent. Um, well, you know what I mean? Um, a parent with a child outside of the womb actually having to interact yeah. with a child. Yeah, there's no, like, the most I do right now is make sure the house is in order. I'm re- uh, renovating the bathroom. Like, there's not much tangible going on right now. No showers or anything in the, you know, like, there's just nothing is affecting me right now as it is you. Um, well, I think, is this a good chance to attempt, guys, we're going to attempt it outro Ooh. personalized is, is this a good time yeah for just that? like you yeah you you 
started anew with reading the intro as we came in. Yep. Yeah, it's a new deal. So we'll try it out. Um, I'm just going to steal this from LinkedIn as I do (laughs) (laughs) because I didn't write anything. Um, Well, guys, each week we are sharing our unique perspectives and opportunities in life. And we want to offer our take regarding current events, whether it is in our own lives or uh, things going on in society, culture, and whatever else is on our minds. And so we may not be experts, but we're definitely not afraid to share our thoughts and have some fun along the way. So I hope you've enjoyed this fourth episode of season two, and we'll see y'all next week. Bye. Well done. Well done.